AM 570. In LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Peterson. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Peterson. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. And we continue on. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. And get ready for the playoffs with Dodger playoff gear. The Dodger Clubhouse Store with seven locations throughout Southern California, including new stores in Victoria Gardens and Camarillo. Check out our Instagram at AM570 LA Sports to see how you can win playoff gear. Okay, later this hour, David Vassay jumps on talking about the Dodgers. And uh, we continue the march to the playoffs. Yes. Go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. We're going to be talking about the Dodgers a lot. That's right. We are the home of your world champion, Dodgers. Exactly. And Dave will jump on and we'll get into it. Don't forget, download the free iHeartRadio app. Uh, if you got the app, you can podcast the show. Kevin will put it up the minute we get off the air each and every day. So if you missed any of the program, feel free to go back and listen to it. And if you have the app, you can stream the show wherever you go. It's the free iHeartRadio app. But now it is time for us to come together. Time for us to unite. It is time for our daily spirituality. And now with a daily haiku and two, we welcome on Vic the Brick. And Vic, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, Fred. Come Hello, on. Vic. Yeah. Yeah. You know he loves haiku. His son is living in Japan. It's Rodney Pete now. VTB! Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> there you go. Taking us from exile into freedom with his incredible content and relentless pursuit of information and the truth. It's Kevin Figgis. Come on now! Having the time of his life. Why? Why? Because he's enjoying himself. Why? Kevin loves being here. And of course, on the ones and the twos, providing us the audio enlightenment, it's Ronnie Fascio. And Fred, I want to thank you again for all the love on KNBC with the... Dean's office as we went over some of the sumo action from Tokyo, Japan. There seemed to be some controversy, Vic. I don't know if you saw this associated with your appearance. Uh, Tim Cates tweeted and uh, thought Petro Somani would be upset that you were actually on Channel 4 talking about sumo. Everyone loves sumo. Yes. Carolyn Johnson uh, was very puzzled by it, I might add. Oh, she was? Why? Yeah. She, she just... It was something she really didn't know anything about. And um, she was puzzled by the whole thing, Vic. Huh. Well, I know she was uh, flummoxed by the flexibility yeah, uh, of the 300-pound of the uh, Ricci. Yeah. And the way they're, you know, they're, they're able to you know, enact these incredible maneuvers on the dojo. Yes, Colleen was very caught up in that. She was? Yo, she was. 
she she mentioned that she had, had no idea they were that flexible. Well, the training of the uh, sumo wrestler is so intense. Of course, at a young age, they're brought into the sumo stable, and not only are they taught, you know, the techniques, but stretching is so intense and is so illuminated. Every day they must stretch because the bodies are so big and they go through such you know, incredible uh, turmoil in the ring and so much stress in the ring. So stretching is a, a vital exercise every day in the sumo stable. Yes. Dick, how do I, they identify young, young people that are going to be sumos? You have, to, well, you have to love it. Usually, usually it's in the family. Uh, there's a history of sumo in the family, and they carry on the traditions, you know, like baseball, football, basketball. Uh, families continue the, the tradition because, it, you know, it's the national sport of, of Japan. We're talking thousands and thousands of years old in Japan. It's, it's such a sacred sport and is uh, watched and is practiced with such reverence. When do they start getting them to eat? Because they got to bulk up. Exactly, Fred. And the the young sumo, the sumos in training, are the ones doing the cooking, as well as the cleaning, as well as the folding. That is their way, the way of sumo, is you know to respect the elders, and to do all the uh, so-called menial chores in the in the dojo, and one of them is. Uh, the cooking for the for the big sumo and when you're cooking for sumo uh, you have an incredible amount of food especially the you know the rice preparation uh, mm -hmm. the goza the rice has to be prepared and they eat ins insane amounts of it's very healthy food well, we're not yeah. talking the rice unhealthy will stick to you, talking, put, put a lot of weight on you that rice that they eat the Gohan will put an incredible amount of pounds on you. Yeah. But, you know, heavy vegetables, heavy uh, heavy meat, vegetables, rice is really the diet. You know, very, very, uh, it's healthy stuff, but it's a lot of, a lot of healthy stuff. A lot of pizza? No pizza, Fred. <laughs> Fred! What? <laughs> no yeah, pizza. Not in but, Italy, okay. Fred. This is a, not a, a lot, lot of pizza. rice, Fred. A lot of gold. throw pizza out there. Well, I was just saying, you know, pizza will put on some weight, and I think it's healthy. You do? You think yeah. pizza's healthy? Love pizza. I know you love it. I love pizza, too. Uh, I like all types of pizza. Right. You know, when I'm in Chicago, I, I do like to partake in the deep dish. Got to do it. Although, in, in New York, I like the thin and crispy crust. Uh, Italy is fantastic pizza. Um, the fresh mozzarella. And basils and the tomatoes from Italy is delicious. But that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, Fred. I know, but I'll tell you this. It's not healthy for you, if, per if, se, Fred. If you're in the Valley and they're not paying, I'd call Pepe's Pizza. Love it. So good it's in Studio City. If you're in the Valley and they're not paying. Well, they're not paying for me to say this. I'm just saying. Oh, Pepe's. oh, oh. Pepe's. It is, it, it is terrific. I love it. New York it. style? Oh, uh, yeah, Vic, yeah. Thin. Thin? Yeah. It's good. So good. I'll tell you what's good. 
was day 10 of the sumo. Yeah. A lot of upsets. Unfortunately, the Yokozuna, Terutsu Fuji, had to withdraw because of knee knee issues. He may require surgery. So he's done. He he has been the dominant sumo wrestler for the last few years, uh, along with Hakaho, of course. Once Hakaho retired, uh, Terutsu Fuji really took over the top spot. Terutsu Fuji's done now, Vic? Are you telling me that? He withdrew from the tournament. Son of a... So anybody that he would be wrestling now wins in a walkover. Exactly. That would be just one match. Mm. But he has done... Is that what it's called? A walkover, Fred? That's why you said it? No, I just made it up. I don't know what it's called. Forfeit. (laughs) In fact, in the dean's office, Fred, we we showed highlights of uh, Terutsu Fuji losing to the bear uh, Takayasu. Yeah. And I stressed the heavy bandages on both his knees. Yes, you did, Vic. And the desperation move at the end of his loss, which he never does, which was a foot swipe. I mean, he never goes with a foot whip, but uh, he, tried to, he tried to well whip the legs of uh, Takayasu, Takayasu in a desperation last move. Didn't work. And that was it for him. He, he realizes his style of sumo, he can't bring it on a nightly basis because of the injury. So he, he is withdrawn. Hopefully, it's, if he does require surgery, it goes well. Vic, you know the one thing I noticed as we did the segment, and then we've been showing the highlights at night? When one of those guys go down, they go down. Vic, I think it makes the whole stadium shake. I mean, that is, wow. that's a big boy hitting the ground hard. No doubt, Fred. That's 300 pounds, you know, onto the clay or off the dojo, uh, into a collision with the, with the fans sometimes or the judges. And luckily, there isn't more injury, you know, around the... You know, Jack Nicholson seats around the front row yeah. of the dojo. But, you know, everyone is uh, very aware that a 300-pound wrestler might be coming right into your face. So they're very prepared, you know, psychologically and physically uh, to get out of the way just in case. Because that collision can be uh, horrific. You know, if you think about this, and I don't know if you ever have been, but given what you said, it, it struck a nerve with me. 300 pounds. If we went down to the meat store and bought 300 pounds of meat, how how long would that last and how many people could we feed? 300 pounds. I mean, would that last six months? Eight oh, months? No. no, Fred, these are... In a stable of, let's say, 15 wrestlers and they have to gain weight, 300 pounds of meat, I don't think would last more than a few weeks. No, no, but I'm saying if we just bought 300 pounds, the wrestlers are 300 pounds. So if you bought 300 pounds of meat for an average family, you could eat at least, I would think, for half a year, maybe longer. No doubt. So but that we're means... About humongous men. These are mammoth mountains of men. Yeah. So th- they go through meat... And all foodstuffs incredibly fast, Fred. Yeah. How's their they cholesterol, Vic? How's their cholesterol? Their body fat is not that high because they eat very healthy, Fred. You know, a lot of vegetables, along with the uh, the meat. You know, the meat's not that. The meat is not fried, Fred. It's everything is uh, is steamed or stewed or or grilled. Vic, who do you think could eat more? One of the sumos or Joey Chestnut? There'll be some match. Yeah, because he never puts on weight. And he's constantly in training. Yeah. As are, as are the sumo. 
Who do you think would win in a fight between a sumo and Joey Chestnut? Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, Chestnut's strength is eating Fred, not fighting. Yeah, Fred. <laughs> so a, if he tried to eat them, then he would be in the, in the match is what you're saying. He's an eater, not a fighter. Okay. And talking about fighting, I want to, you know, give it up for our Dodgers, number one. The split with the Snakes, that incredible five-run eighth inning in game one was sensational. They're looking for win number 104. You know, we have to really focus on that. That's amazing. What an amazing chase. And to stay focused, to stay hungry, which they are. You know, obviously, there's going to be a blip. You know, game two yesterday was, was not a clean game. And, you know, a couple of errors, yada, yada, yada. The Arizona pitcher was hot. That's going to happen, you know, once in a while. But they still got to give it up for the club. It's just an incredible run. And this five-game series with the Diamondbacks doesn't seem to end, does it? It's amazing. Hey, no. Yeah, we played them forever. Yeah. It's like That's Fred's f- point that he doesn't want to do that anymore. It's too game much. Game four. Game four tonight, of course. Morongo Casino. Dodgers on deck at six with Tim Cates. Dustin May. El Rojo Gigante. First pitch, 7-10. And May's coming off a scintillating performance. So imagine if May reclaims that form in, in the playoffs. I think he could, Vic. And all the Dodger reinforcements come back healthy. I mean, I, I dream of this at night. You know, the Catman coming back healthy and, and Bruce Starr and Trinan. I think it's Dustin May bobblehead night. Is that tonight? I think so, isn't it? Oh, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, Vic. I think it's tomorrow. Fabulous giveaway. Fabulous, fabulous giveaway. I think it's L.A. Kings night. Oh, that's right. It is. Dustin Brown, the captain. We're throwing out the first pitch. L.A. Kings night. Okay. D. Brown. Do you see that Elton John bobblehead night they're having? Oh, yeah. Elton John. I like that bobblehead. Coming back to do the performance that he did when in 1970-something, he did a big performance at Dodger Stadium? 75. It was amazing. 75. And that outfit. Is he going to resurrect that outfit that he had in 75, Vic? The Dodger uniform that he wore. That was an amazing performance. He really put Elton yeah. on the low. Uh, really shot him into incredible superstardom, that performance at Dodger Stadium. Memorable. That's going to be a cool bobblehead. And once again, I want to give love to the great Maury Wills. Yep. 80, 89 years, a Dodger icon, a Dodger legend. The way of Maury, we're all impacted by the great wills. I had so many amazing times with Maury from from Vero Beach to Camelback Ranch. And he taught how many thousands of players and youngsters how to bunt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was fantastic. His accomplishments on the field were profound. The electric speed. Just studying the game. the game. He was just a man that, that uh, understood the game from a, just from a detailed standpoint, Vic and Fred. Uh, I had a chance to uh, spend time with him um, one day when we were playing. I was at USC playing, and we were playing the, the Dodgers in the annual 
USC Dodger exhibition game that we had at Dodger Stadium. I don't know why they don't do that anymore. But that was such a great moment because we got to see all the guys and interact with the Dodger players. But Maury had he spent the time with like six of us and just was like a little quick, I mean quick, it was a round table, but just giving his insights on the game and just things to look for and all those things was so valuable at that time. And he was uh, always willing to share his knowledge, Vic. Of course, inspired Dave Roberts to number 30. Yeah. Dave said that that is his mentor, Maury Wills. Yeah, Dave gives him all the credit. Yeah. Titles, of course, with the Dodgers. MVP, 62, you know, broke the all-time record for stolen bases. But he was so much more. You know, back in back in the day, he really was a catalyst for the Dodger offense. There was no Dodger offense back in the day. You know, it was it was Koufax, it was Drysdale, it was incredible pitching. You know, and Maury basically was the offense back in the sixties with those with those titles. You know, his he'd get on base and turn it into a triple because he'd steal second and you know a throw would be a wild throw. You know, Junior Gilliam might bunt him over to third, sack fly, there you go, you got the run. I mean, there was Maury. So, he's a god among men, the great Maury Wills. I wrote this haiku for Maury. Wills, electric speed, revolutionized the game. The way of bunting, the way of sliding, the Dodger way. The essence of Maury. Feeling you. The great Maury Wills. Well done, Vic. Well done. Outstanding. Yeah, that was a good Outstanding. one Outstanding. I felt that one, Vic. A true icon, a true Dodger icon. We've got to get him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, this is, this is uh, ridiculous already. Why he is not in the Hall is insane. That's got to be a campaign. It's a valid point. Right? I, I mean, what? Uh, f- f- forget about his his incredible accomplishments, but just on and off the, the teaching. But he was a revolution of baseball. He changed the game. How cannot Maury be in the hall? He has to be in the hall. Let's campaign for Maury, man. Let's 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 put that in the minds of the voters. Well done, Vic. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. I feel you guys. Hey, join Petros and Money Wednesday, September 28th, starting at 3 live from Morongo Casino Resort and Spa, along with Tim Cates, four Morongo Casino Dodgers on deck. Prizes including Dodger tickets, cash cards, gas cards, and a lot more. Details on Instagram at AM570LA Sports. Morongo Casino Resort and Spa, good times. When we come back, David Vasse joins us. Bringing you LA's best sports talk, weekdays, noon to 3. Bogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah, let's keep it going, Rodney Pete. Fred Rogan, what a hump day. Keep on humping, Freddie. Come on. Just like the Dodgers, keep it going. Keep on moving. Bring out our good friend David Vassay. Dave, good afternoon to you. Hey, guys, I'm here at Dodger Stadium. Just finished talking to Justin Turner. Rodney, before we get started, I got to yes. tell you. Yes. I finally met Holly Robinson Pete yes. by coincidence last night. In the night. flesh. In the flesh, yes. She she told me to ask you, Dave, um, because you guys, yes, have, have spoken in many 
ways, but not in person. And so she was wondering if you're okay because she she said she gave you a big hug and a big squeeze that your ribs are hopefully okay. <laughs> I'll take as many squeezes from her as I can get, Rodney. <laughs> hey, Dave. Right on, right on, Dave. And also, yeah. Dave, I, your boy was in the house rocking your T-shirt, Brad Paisley, too. Yeah, I know. that It was amazing. Brad texted me to come down there, and he was having dinner, and that's when Holly walked by looking for a table. And I said, Holly. And she's like, oh, my God, David. We had never met before. She's, you know, obviously tweeted. She sent messages through you. And it was great to meet her in person, Rodney. And immediately the vibe from Holly is so genuine and so beautiful. Uh, she is such an awesome person, and, you know, everything that we see about her, uh, you feel it immediately when you meet her. Right on, man. I appreciate you saying that, Dave. She is a real one, yeah, but she uh, she absolutely loves you and was so excited that you guys finally met in person, so it was cool. I was excited, too, and I can't wait to have her on to talk about her new children's yeah. book. Yeah, man. Yeah. She's ready anytime. Hey, Dave, uh, that being said. Oh, hey, Fred. Oh, hi, Dave. <laughs> I wanted to know how your Instagram live went with uh, Justin Turner. It went great. And you can find it still posted on our AM 570 LA sports Instagram uh, TV page there. And the reason why we did it was because yesterday, Justin Turner wore two very special pairs of cleats. He actually sent his cleats blank white cleats to the children's hospital, Los Angeles. And he had two kids that are fighting childhood cancer, and they are, you know, in getting treatment at Children's Hospital. They can't leave their hospital rooms. He sent his cleats to two of those kids, and they colored them, and he, it worked out so perfectly that it was a double header. So he wore one pair for the first game, and he wore another pair for the second game. And he signed both cleats got them authenticated, and he's sending them back to those two kids. And we talked about that, and Children's Hospital does such a great job. And something I didn't know that Justin was aware of, that only 4% of uh, donations go to pediatric cancer research. So it's uh, something that we all should be more aware of, and those kids are so resilient. And uh, sometimes you wonder if life is fair when you see kids uh, stricken with cancer yeah. and guys like Justin Turner are not only trying to bring awareness to it, but they're actually involved and in not just throwing money at something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, uh, Dave. And, and, you know, we often talk about the guys on the field, what they do and how many hits they got and how many pitches they threw and wins and losses and all that, that, that stuff. But, more importantly, especially for for Justin and his wife Courtney, they give so much back to the community. To the community, uh, it's amazing. Just like the story you just told, that touched so many lives at Children's Hospital and what they do at the Dream Center and what they do for veterans. I mean, all the things that they do off the field is really incredible, and and they should be should be celebrated. So good for you to bring that up and make it and bring it all to light because. Had you not, I don't think a lot of people would have known what those shoes were all about or what he was doing, so appreciate that. Yeah, Rodney, he's the Dodgers' Roberto Clemente Award nominee again. Yep. Hopefully he wins it this year, or he's going to be in the same class as Susan Lucci with the Daytime <laughs> Award. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave, let's get to the games. Uh, they split yesterday. I'm so sick of seeing Arizona, Dave. Is it just me? 
or are you sick? Oh, of it's not you. It's not you, Fred. By the end of tomorrow, we are going to have seen, or the Dodgers will have played the Diamondbacks eight times in less than a week. This is not a three-game series. It's not even a four-game series. It's a five-game series, and <sighs> that's something you don't see, but because of the lockout, that's what's going on. But I will say this. In the finale of this five-game series tomorrow, we have a really good pitching matchup. You would be hard-pressed to find a better pitching matchup this season than what we have tomorrow at Dodger Stadium. Two finalists for the Cy Young Award in the National League, Zach Gallen and Julio Urias. Those two guys, along with Sandy Alcantara in Miami, are the three leading candidates to win the National League Cy Young Award. Julio has 17 wins. He has 37 in the last two years with only 10 losses. So this is going to be a head-to-head matchup for these two pitchers to make their case that, hey, I should be the guy. Yeah, and, and, and about that, Dave, you know, I and, and I know you have too, celebrating Julio since he's, you know, come up and, and really gotten really solidified as, a, as, as in the rotation. Uh, he's a 20-game winner last year, as you mentioned, this year in the hunt top three candidates for Cy Young this year. Um, why is it you think that he doesn't get enough credit around the league that he should, at least that I believe he should? Yeah, I don't understand it, Rodney. I feel part of it is because he's so reserved and doesn't really want the attention. He shied away from being interviewed during the Dodgers Division Championship celebration. I think that's just part of what it is. And also being on the West Coast, a lot of those voters don't get to see his games. And he doesn't have the spectacular strikeouts. And because of the way the Dodgers protect their pitchers and think more of the macro than just the micro, he doesn't have those four complete games like uh, Sandy Alcantara does in Miami. So for all those reasons, I feel like he is underappreciated. But if you look at the body of work that he has had, I mean, you would be hard-pressed to find any pitcher the last three years that has done what Julio Urias has done, starting with the 2020 bubble playoffs. Without him doing what he did, the Dodgers don't win the World Series as a starter or as a reliever. And then you look at last year, he was undefeated after the All-Star break with an ERA under one. Uh, that's the most critical time of any season, not to mention, you know, Walker Bueller was struggling. The Dodgers barely got Max Scherzer. They were in a pennant race, and he won 20 games last year, the only pitcher to win 20 games. So for all those reasons, uh, I feel like slowly but surely uh, more people around the country are starting to recognize how good he is. Dave Vancey is with us. Okay, Dave, let's talk about the two games yesterday for just a second. Uh, great comeback in the first game. Defensively, uh, a, bit, a bit of a, I don't know, just a kind of a clown show. Uh, nightcap, well, they, they didn't play good defense. And the nightcap, they struggled as well. Just one of those things on a certain night? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. It's a day-night doubleheader. Neither of those games mean anything, but... Uh, I really believe um, it showed what the Dodgers' mentality is in that eighth inning of the first game when they scored five runs. They very easily could have laid down in that game, but they fought to not only tie the game but take the lead with a five-run rally. Austin Barnes hit a two-run home run to really spark that rally. 
as far as the second game goes, I thought they were more flat in that second game than they were in the first one. Yeah. And you look at the box score, four errors, two of them were made by Tyler Anderson, the starting pitcher. So it wasn't as bad as the box score shows. Yeah, I thought so too. And they looked tired, really tired in that second game. Um, Dave, down the stretch, which can you tell us about uh, Tony Gonsolin? How's he coming along? He's coming along, Rodney. It's hard to really judge um, the transparency of what the Dodgers are sharing with us when it comes to Gonsolin. Um, I guess it'll be um, at playoff time when we see whether or not he's on the playoff roster. Tomorrow may be a bigger day for the Dodgers because Blake Trinan and Bruce Dark Gratterall both may be activated. At least Trinan, that's what Dave Roberts said as late as yesterday, that the Dodgers are planning on activating Trinan tomorrow. The bazooka, Gratterall, also expects to be activated by the end of this homestand. If it's not tomorrow, it may be Friday when they welcome in the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, okay, Dave, and now let's just talk about where everybody is. Blake Trinan, Bruce Dark Gratterall, when, when are guys going to start jumping on? I just told you about them. No, but I'm just thinking about overall everybody. Uh, Who else? Who else do you want to know about? Well, I want to know. I want to know. Andrew Heaney is okay. He's pitching well. I'm just trying to think of now the playoffs, Dave, and and just try to get everything in my mind solidified with the rotation and the bullpen. That's all. I really believe that uh, Julio Rios and Clayton Kershaw are the only two uh, certainties when it comes to the Dodger rotation in the classic sense. I, I get a feeling that the Dodgers may use all of the rest of the pitchers to get 27 outs in those other games. And obviously there's going to be a starter. I don't believe it's going to be just a traditional opener for any game that's not started by Kershaw or Urias, but Andrew Heaney is going to be in the bullpen. Tyler Anderson, uh, I feel like he has a role either as a starter or a reliever. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Dodgers deploy a lot of their starters that, like in Gonsolin's case, is not built up to go a full game anymore. Um, Anderson's a guy that's been adaptable to pitching out of the bullpen and starting, so I feel like outside of Kershaw and Orias, it's uh, it's kind of um, uncertain how the Dodgers are going to deploy their 13 pitchers. Yeah, and then position-wise, Dave, hard to keep Trace Thompson uh, out of that lineup, and then with you know CT three, it's good to see him at a home run the other day. But still, he is he is still struggling. Uh, he's starting to come around. He started to come around in San Francisco, Rodney, and you know this. <laughs> you can't discount a guy that's done it before in no. October. Him Dave, and is, Dave is loyal too, October. right? Dave, Dave Roberts is loyal to his guys, much like you were talking about earlier. With Max Muncy, finally got himself turned around, and he does he feel like. Like Chris Taylor will at that point because he's been a gamer for them for so long in the playoffs and big moments that uh, you got to keep him up and keep him ready. Yeah, I feel like Taylor, Bellinger, Trace, and Gallo all are going to have roles on this team. And don't discount Miguel Vargas as a right-handed bat that could be added to this playoff roster as well. The Dodgers just didn't bring him up just to get experience being around the team. That's part of one of the layers, but... They want to see whether or not he can adapt to coming off the bench and spot starting. All right, Dave, good job. Appreciate you jumping on. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Okay. There goes our buddy David Vasseg. And we're back to wrap things up after this. 
Hogan and Rodney. Rodney Peace, an athlete. Rodney Peace, a father. Rodney Peace, an LA icon. Rodney Peace, and this guy, Red Rogan. AM 570 LA Sports. Catch Petros and Money Live from Dodger Stadium this Thursday for a special Chevy Sweet Night starting at 3 before the Dodgers take on the Diamondbacks. Listen for your chance to win tickets to hang out in the suite, Chevrolet, find new roads. Ronnie, Kevin, thank you. Great job. Rodney, we do it tomorrow. Yes, sir. Peace. brothers close to heart. What was a friend now a ghost in the dark? Hard part about it, brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. A hard lesson, court cases keep him guessing. Plea bargain ain't an option now, so I'm stressing. Cost me more to be free than a life in the pen. Making money off of cuss words, writing again. Learn how to think ahead, so I fight with my pen. Late night down sunset, like in the scene. What's the worst they can do to a player? Got me lost in hell. To live and die in LA on bail. My people say, to live and die.